Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Those of us who pray sometimes feel that our practice of prayer could be better. We might wish that we prayed more often, or that the words sounded better, or that our words were more genuine. Maybe we wonder if we are praying the wrong things, whatever that might mean. Most of us were never taught how to pray. We just mimicked what we heard. After more than 25 years of studying prayer, I still cannot say that I understand prayer in all its richness and purpose. No one can, because prayer is, to a certain extent, a mystery. It is an ongoing conversation with the divine creator of the universe. But we can learn more about prayer and thereby grow in our practice of it. Scripture is the best place to begin, I believe. Not only is it the authoritative word of God, but it also contains hundreds of prayers, teachings about prayers, and mentions of prayer. As I studied the prayers, I found a richness and a variety that I had not seen before. I saw new possibilities of prayer in their content, structure, the time we might offer them, postures that might accompany them, and even the types of prayer. It occurred to me that if I could study every mention of prayer in the Bible, not only would I learn a lot, but it would also enrich my own prayers. What better resource than God's Word? I had been writing and speaking about prayer for many years before I began the project, and I had had hundreds of people talk to me about prayer. They would often tell me that their prayers seemed rote, or that they didn't know what to pray, so they just said the same things over and over again. Some said they pray because they think they should but do not believe they are doing it right. Others even told me that they had almost stopped praying because it seemed like a lifeless act. My heart went out to these people because I had had some of those same thoughts. In 2011, I began working on a project I called Praying Through the Bible. It began on a blog with a short study and application about the first mention of prayer in the Bible. During the next few years, I worked my way through each prayer in Genesis and then Exodus and so on. The blog gained popularity and attracted followers all over the world. My own understanding of prayer grew through the emails from my readers and comments on the blog. Many asked me for a book of these studies, something that they could use for personal and group study and devotion. I published the first volume, covering Genesis through Joshua, by expanding upon the blog posts and offering more detail and application while keeping each study short enough for a daily devotional or a class study and discussion. The book sold well and the demand kept up, and so I continued publishing volumes as I wrote enough for a book. As of this writing, there are four published volumes. Volume 1, Genesis through Joshua. Volume 2, Judges through 2 Samuel. Volume 3, 1 Kings through 2 Chronicles and Volume 4, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. Each chapter in the books studies one prayer passage or connected passages. Some are actual prayers. That is, they include the words of the prayer. Other chapters address passages that teach something about prayer. Still others look at passages that only mention or refer to prayer without including the words. Sometimes, a prayer passage is only one verse or a part of a verse. Sometimes it covers many, many verses. Each prayer study is divided into three parts, background, meaning, and application. These work together to make up a devotional commentary, which means that its primary purpose is application through study and understanding. 
To meet that goal responsibly, we seek to understand each passage within the context of its section and book. Since the Bible was written in ancient times, we'll also look at the historical context when it's helpful. Likewise, we look at some cultural aspects that might affect an understanding of the passage. And if relevant, we'll look at some of the original languages used or a literary technique employed. Anything that helps us understand the prayer passage is fair game. Once we have a sound understanding of the prayer in its contexts, we can explore how the writer might have meant it and how the original readers might have understood it. After we've investigated the background and the meaning, we're then ready to ask what we can learn from the prayer that will help us with our own. We'll begin by describing the nine types of prayers, and we'll practice each of them on their own in the application sections of the later books. This can sometimes seem artificial to say, today, I'm only going to pray Thanksgiving prayers. But remember, all of this is a means to an end. So as you work through this book and later volumes and practice your prayers, remember that this unique activity of talking with God is primarily about relationship. It is not about praying a certain way or using certain words, phrases, or categories. One of my favorite stories that emphasizes that point is an old Jewish story. It goes like this. There was once an illiterate cowherd who did not know how to pray. So instead, he would say to God, Master of the universe, you know that if you had cows and you gave them to me to look after, I would do it for nothing. Even though I take wages from everyone else, I would do it for you for nothing because I love you. A certain sage chanced upon the cowherd and heard him praying in this manner. And the sage said to him, You fool, you must not pray like that. The cowherd asked him how he should pray, and the sage set about teaching him the order of the prayers as they are found in the prayer book. After the sage went away, the cowherd soon forgot what he had been taught, and so he did not pray at all. He was afraid to say the usual prayer about God's cows, because the sage had told him it was wrong to say such things. On the other hand, he could not say what the sage had told him, because it was all jumbled up in his mind. That night, the sage was reprimanded in a dream and told that unless the cowherd returned to his spontaneous prayer, great harm would befall the sage, for he had stolen something very precious away from God. On awakening, the sage hurried back to the cowherd and asked him what he was praying. The cowherd told him that he was not praying anything, since he had forgotten the prayers the sage had taught him, and he had been forbidden to tell God how he would look after his cows for nothing. The sage begged him to forget what he had told him, and go back to his real prayers, that he had said before he ever met him. Prayer is different for each of us, just like the communication between any two people is different. This study lays the groundwork for studying the prayers of the Bible as a means to explore the prayers themselves, which in turn is intended to enrich our own prayers. Each of us must find our own way, however. Not all of us are spiritual sages nor cowherds. My hope is that this study will serve as a guide and a model for you to find your own way So that for you, like the cowherd, God will find something precious in your prayer life. Not because you followed a set practice that I tell you about, but because you have found a way of prayer that helps you express your heart for God. Whatever you learn, make it yours. And then give it back to God as a gift. If that means telling God you will look after his cows for free while you stand dirty and unkempt in a field, so be it. Thank you for listening. See the notes accompanying this podcast for more information. Learn more about the Praying Through the Bible Project on our website, prayingthroughthebible.com.
That's T-H-R-U. If you are a subscriber, thank you. If not, please consider becoming one. Feel free to get in touch through the comments or on our website. Until next time, blessings on all of you.